Some it's just an emblem, a formality. It's a symbol that's been used so frequently. Many blaspheme and despise, though it's ancient, it abides. A shrine to death that stands for life to me. There was a cross made for the Son of God at Calvary. Two pieces of rough timber on a hill. Through his hands and through his feet, he took the nails for you and me. Angels watched as he died for the lost. Though he could have walked away, he chose the cross. You see why this old emblem is so dear to me. It stood for suffering, yet it brought us peace. It braves the gap for men, offered cleansing for our sin. An icon that reminds us that we're free. There was a cross made for the Son of God at Calvary. Pieces of rough timber on a hill. Through his hands and through his feet, he took the nails for you and me. Angels watched as he died for the lost. Though he could have walked away, he chose the cross. forever keep the cross in view for that's where I was saved I was saved there was a cross made for the Son of God at Calvary two pieces of rough timber on a hill through his hands and took the nails for you and me. Angels watch as he died for the lost. Though he could have walked away, he chose the cross. Though he could have walked away, he chose the Amen. Glad he chose the cross because nobody put him on it. He chose the cross. Amen. Well, 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Let's go ahead and look there and uh, we'll begin in verse 1 of chapter 1. Again, glad you could be here today. 
at our men's prayer meeting yesterday, and of course we went out knocking some doors and uh, reaching out to folks, and again, what a blessing that is. Always an opportunity. There's always people that are in need of the light of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Let's take our Bible again, 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says there in the book of 1 Samuel, Now there was a certain man of Ramathame Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophnot and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am, I, am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk, now Eli, the priest, sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. I want you to look now at verse 20. <clears throat> we understand that Hannah went to that temple. We know that Hannah prayed at that temple. We understand even and are reminded how the priest looked upon her and said, hey, why are you drinking? Why are you drunk at this time of the day? This is ridiculous. What's going on? You came here, but yet you're drunk. God ain't going to do anything for you like that while you're in that condition. Man, I'll tell you what she says. I'm just praying. I'm brokenhearted. It's not alcohol that's causing me to look like this or act like this or feel like this. No, it is a broken spirit. It is a person that is just literally grieving the fact that there's no child that has been given to her of the Lord. But we know that before she walks out of that place, the man of God says, your prayers are answered. God has heard thee. Notice what she says now in verse 20. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. Hannah was just broken hearted. She had no children. It's amazing how basically, you know, her, her, her husband's other wife is her adversary. Mocks her and makes fun of her and becomes a menace to her. It's amazing to think of 
just how broken this woman was, there came a point where nothing else would do. And Hannah finally said, you know what? It's praying time. It's praying time. Man, I have been wanting a child for so long. I have longed for a child. It's praying time. So what do we learn from Hannah? I just want to talk about two simple thoughts. Very, very simple today. Nothing you probably don't know already. But again, they say repetition is the key to learning. And so let us repeat again a valuable truth and an important lesson this morning. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We thank you for all you've done for us. We need you. And Lord, we think about Hannah and we know that you answered her prayer. Lord, we certainly want you to answer ours. And Father, may you just work in our lives. We desperately need you. Will you walk these aisles and speak to each of us in a very intimate, personal way? Holy Spirit of God, drive home your truth into our hearts and hide it deep that the devil cannot come and steal it away. I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit and allow me to be a mouthpiece, your mouthpiece. Father, may you stand in my shoes and may you do a perfect work in the lives of each and every one as your Holy Spirit goes forth. Again, Father, we commit this service into your hands, knowing and believing that, Father, you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Lord, help us, because we are all a needy people today, and without you we can do nothing. We love you, we need you. Impress upon our heart this tremendous need of our day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So it's praying time. It's praying time. That's what she said. So what are the thoughts? First of all, ask. Ask. In James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, the Bible says, Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Again, we're not dealing with anybody. We're talking about God, and he's saying, and, and, and he's telling us you have to ask. If you want something, you're going to have to ask. Hannah asked. That's the first lesson. And can I tell you, that's a lot easier said than done because not every time we turn around are we quick to ask. Well, we're a proud people today, aren't we? And I'm not just talking about God. I'm talking about even in our own families, in our own marriages, in our own lives, in our own homes. We're seldom willing to ask because we're so prideful. We feel like it ought to come easy. We shouldn't have to ask anybody anything. We should already know the answers. But you're going to have to ask sometimes. You gotta ask. You wanna know something, you gotta ask. You gotta you want something, you gotta ask. First lesson that Hannah teaches us is ask. Here's the second one. You think, man, we are really close to ending. <laughs> this one's not very long, except here it is. Ask number two. Here it is. Ask the right person. That's what Hannah teaches us here. So we learn from Hannah. Not only are we to ask, we have to ask the right person. You know, I've had people who've approached me and they've asked for a dollar or two for a cup of coffee or something to eat. But you know what I haven't had? I've never had a group come to me or approach me to support their cause by donating millions or even thousands of dollars. You want to know why? Because it's pretty obvious that I don't have that to give. 
as pastor of Community Baptist Temple, I, I have missionaries that will ask for support for either themselves or their ministries. They come to me because of my position and the recognition and knowledge that I direct the mission's budget at the church. They know that I have access to some funds. Why do they come to me? Because they're hopeful that I'll direct money to their cause. They don't come to me as an individual and ask. They come to me as a pastor, however, and ask, because that's where I have access to funding. But do you know what? They could ask me all day, can you fund a $10,000 project down in Mexico? Can you fund a project over here in Venezuela like we did not long ago, $7,000? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I'd love to do that. I'd be so happy to do that. But you're asking the wrong person. If you're asking Mark O'Donnell, you've asked the wrong person. You better be talking to Pastor O'Donnell because he's the only one that may have access to that kind of funding and can get that approved. You've got to ask, but you have to ask the right person. See, our petitions are heard by the creator of the universe. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning, God created. Hey, God created the universe out of nothingness. Out of nothing. He didn't have some pre-existing material that he created it by or with. No, not at all. God's act of creation caused matter. It caused space and time and even the very laws which govern the universe to exist. Regardless of the scientific explanations that are given today of how this universe has come into existence, God is the divine action from all and from all, where all comes from, where all eternity comes from where all creation comes from, where all sustenance comes from. He sustains all that exists. He is the one who authored it, and He is the one who continues to supply it. Isaiah chapter 45, turn there, would you please? Isaiah 45, verse 5. Again, He's the Creator, and He created from nothing everything that is now visible to us and we're able to reach out and touch, and even things we cannot see, God is the creator of all things. Isaiah 45, 5. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Well, we better figure that one out in the day and age in which we live. Man, today everybody's biting for some authority and some power. The fact is, is that we have gods that are multiplying all around us all the time. But friend, there is only one Lord, and that is God, Creator God. I am the Lord, and there is none else. None else. There is no God beside me. By the way, how we know who God is is by the way He defines Himself in Scripture. If there is another God that you are leaning upon or that you believe in that is not defined in the Scriptures, my friend, it is a false God altogether. There is no other God. There's none else but Him. And he says, I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, thou hast, uh, though thou hast not known me. Look at Isaiah 46, verse 9. He's speaking here in Isaiah again. Notice what is said about God and what he says about himself. Remember the former things of old. 
For I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. There's nobody like God. I mean, nobody like God. His power exceeds all. Hey, listen, it's, it's not enough to ask. You've got to ask the right person. Man, when I grew up in my house, I, I still remember just as a young kid, my dad bought me a bicycle, and I sure enjoyed that bicycle. But I remember him over and over again saying, Son, you put that kickstand down. Don't you lay it down. And he'd say, The problem is you don't appreciate what you've got till you've had to pay for it yourself. And I still remember my dad not buying us bikes. We can't afford to buy you bikes now. You're 12 years of age. You want a bicycle? You go buy your own bike. You get out there and you work a little bit. You earn some money and you buy your own bicycle. And I remember going for six straight months, passing out these flyers all around the community, me and my brother, and we each earned $3 a week. And finally, after about six months, we had what we thought was enough money we went to the old bike shop. It wasn't that, wasn't that far from here. It was called Shadima's Bike Shop or something. It was right over there where the Crown Shoes is now. At least it used to be Crown Shoes. I think it still is. Right there uh, on the corner. Maybe it's not now. But on the corner of Arlington Street, just down the road from us here. Arlington Street and um, Killian. That's right. And we, bought, we, we went in there and we bought some 10 speeds, me and my brother. They had white plastic seats. And they were 27 inchers. Well, no 26, 27. Couldn't even touch the ground. Had to sit like this. I mean to tell you, that bike was tall and it was mean and lean. And I still remember th- saying, well, Dad, we, we saved up our money and, and you don't have it to give. And so we're going to go ahead and save it up. We saved it up. We bought the bikes. And then we said, how are we getting them home? He said, well, I don't know. I guess you're going to have to ride them. We lived all the way in Ellet. My mom's like, no, they can't ride those bikes that far, man. They'll get killed. And Dad said, well, they better figure it out now. <laughs> so my brother and I jumped on 77. We went north, just went down the highway and got... No, we didn't do that. <laughs> but I still remember riding them bicycles home for the first time. You know, the truth was, I got a bicycle, but I was asking the wrong person when I asked my dad, Dad, we know we're just kind of needing some bikes. That would have been a waste of time because Dad didn't have the money for those bikes. It's not enough to ask. You've got to ask the right person. And can I tell you, there's no better person to ask than the creator of the universe. And that's exactly the privilege that we are given as God's children today. I guarantee you that the woman that had an issue of blood was glad that she went to Jesus and asked. She didn't even really ask a whole lot. She just reached out and touched someone. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. In Matthew chapter 9, beginning verse 20. We know that there was a multitude that had gathered and Jesus Christ was in the midst of it all. And all of a sudden, according to the passage, we see, and behold, a woman, verse 20, Matthew 9, 20, a woman which was deceased with an issue of blood, 12 years, disease, not deceased. Ooh, that would have been bad. That would have been a miracle in and of itself. But anyway, and behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood, 12 years, 
came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Twelve years she battled with this disease. Twelve years she sought the doctors. Twelve years she went in home and sought some kind of home remedy. She did everything she could to get healed of this disease. She did everything she could think about. She talked to anybody she could talk to about it, but nobody could help her. And finally she said, it's praying time. It's praying time. And she said, i got to seek out the only one that can meet my need, the only one that can satisfy my soul, the only one that can fix my body. She made her way to Jesus. It's praying time, she said. Turn, if you would, to Mark chapter 5. This is one of the more popular characters in the Bible. Sometimes if we're not careful, we make it sound almost like the Bible's a storybook. But the Bible isn't a storybook. It's a history book. And these are literal accounts that took place. In this particular case, we are introduced to the maniac of Gadara. We know that Jesus Christ comes across that old lake and there he lands with his disciples and he is met by two, the Bible says, maniacs. Now we only read about the one most often, but there were two I often think, what happened to the other one? I guess it's just a picture again of those who either come to Christ or those who will flee. But in this case, Mark chapter 5, verse 15. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil. Here he was, running through those caves. Here he was cutting himself. Here he was screaming out loud. Those townspeople sat there at night and they would hear those, those shrilling screams. They'd be like, I wish he'd shut up. I wish he'd just get right. I wish something would happen. I even wish he'd die. Walk off a cliff or something. But I'm sick of it. Jesus had compassion. He gets off that boat and there he meets that maniac. <laughs> he does what no one else could. That maniac met the Lord Jesus, and you know what he thought to himself? It's praying time. I've been bound so long, I need relief. It's praying time. And the Bible says, and they came to Jesus in verse 15, and see him that was possessed with the devil, and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They'd never seen anything like that. It's praying time. Take your Bible, look at Mark again, chapter 9 this time. We know that the Lord had sent out his disciples and they were preaching and they were teaching and they were trying, even in many cases, healing. God had given them power. But they were facing a Situation that they themselves had no power over. You know, they met a man whose son was tormented. He would cast himself into the water and into the fire often. And this man was broken. 
I can't imagine how many times he sought help for his son. I don't know how often he must have said, I need a counselor. I need somebody to help me. My son continues to be cast into the fire. And he thought, it's praying time. I've been asking, but I've been asking the wrong ones. And he realized, Jesus is the one he needs to speak to. And he says in Mark chapter 9, verse 18, And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spoke to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. It's amazing how quickly we give up on people. You don't know how strong-willed my boy is. You don't know how strong-willed my girl is. You don't realize what they're like, and you don't have to live with them, and I get that. And trust me, I'm glad I don't. But let me tell you this. It's not enough to ask. You better ask the right person. We are so quick to turn to the world for help. We're so quick to turn to a self-help book or get online and search in the, in, in, on the internet. But my friend, you better be asking the right person. And this man said, you know what? My son seems to be a lost case. He seems like he's just too difficult. Nobody seems to be able to help him. Even the disciples. And he thought, it's praying time. I got to get a hold of the one that created everything. And in Mark chapter 9, verse 22, he goes off and he starts to speak to the Lord. And he says, Oft time it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. See, that's praying time right there. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Notice verse 26. And the Spirit cried and rent him sore. And came out of him, and he was as one dead, in so much that many said, He's dead. But he wasn't dead, was he? He was healed. It's not enough. It, just asking isn't enough. He had asked the, the disciples. He had probably asked every doctor he could think about. He had already looked onto the internet and sought all the advice he could, but it wasn't until he said, It's praying time. It's time to get a hold of Jesus. That something happened that changed his son's life and his. Look if you would in John chapter 4, verse 25. Jesus with his disciples is traveling along and he says, I must go through Samaria. He finds himself at a well. And there at a well, he finds a woman. Oh, they had gone in to buy food and supplies, but Jesus himself remained there at the well. There she is, and he begins to strike up a conversation. In John chapter 4, verse 25 and 26, the woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah is cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Man, she thought she had the answers, but her life was wrecked, and it was a mess. In those days, I'm sure many people would have looked at her and said, she's a throwaway, she's good for nothing. 
But Jesus showed up that day and began to share who he was. And her eyes were opened, and something miraculous began to happen. She realized she wasn't talking to just a mere man. She was talking to the master. She was talking to God. And she thought, it's praying time. Because I finally met the one who can change my life. Maybe your life is wrecked and ruined. Maybe you've made some horrible decisions and made horrible mistakes along the way. But can I tell you, as long as there's praying time that's available, life can be changed and you can be transformed. There's still hope, friend. The Bible says in verse 29 that Jesus did a work in her life. She goes back to her town and she says to others, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Come on, guys. You know this has to be him. This is Messiah. This is the one promised to us in Isaiah. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's come. He's here. He's arrived. See, it's not enough to just ask. You've got to ask the right one, the right person. And Jesus is the right person because he's God. He's all-powerful. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Again, we're introduced to a wonderful man, apparently a man that, well, at the time, wasn't sure what or who he really was inside, but he was a pretty affluent person on the outside. He was a ruler of the Jews. In John chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou, hast, that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? So right now we have a man who meets the master and he's got some questions and really he's feeling out Jesus Christ trying to understand as to who he really is. Oh, he makes some statements that seems to imply that he has some understanding and knowledge. He's obviously read the Old Testament scriptures. He obviously has taken time to recognize who the, the Messiah would be like or the characteristics and qualities that he would possess. And now he finds Jesus and he goes to him and begins to ask some questions. It's not enough to just ask. You've got to ask the right person. He said, it's praying time. Before it's all said and done, Jesus Christ continues to explain who he is and what he's all about. And in John chapter 3, verse 16, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you got it, Nicodemus? Did you hear what I said? Don't you recognize and realize who I am and what I'm all about? I'm about you getting right with God. I'm about you having your sin forgiven. I'm about you being a child of mine. And in my bride one day, 
Maybe you don't know who Jesus really is. You say, well, I know a little bit about him, absolutely. Or I believe in God, but Jesus, eh. Oh, Nicodemus believed in God. But the Bible says in the book of James that the devils believe in God and tremble. They know there's a God. The problem is they won't acknowledge Jesus Christ as God, nor will they bow themselves and humble themselves before him. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've not received and accepted him, my friend, it's praying time. And it's not enough to ask. You've got to ask the right person. Hannah asked. She asked. Good for her. But the key, she asked the right person. God. Let me ask you, do you have all you all you need or ever will need? Of course not, right? That's ridiculous. It would be impossible. You say, well, yep, I've got everything I need or I, what, that I'll ever need. That's not true. You're going to have needs along the way. You're going to have things that come up that you're going to have to have some kind of help with. The question is, who will you ask or go to in order to have your every need met? Who are you going to? Can I tell you the temptation in the world we live in and the direction that our government is pushing us is that we turn to them for everything. You need money? Come to us. You need health care? Come to us. You need food? Come to us. You need to be dependent on us. You better be careful. Just asking is not enough. You've got to ask the right person. And it isn't our government, my friend. It's not my mom and dad or your mom and dad either. It's not grandma and grandpa. It's not hoping that somebody in your family that has money dies so you can get an inheritance. You've got to ask, but you've got to ask the right person, and that right person is God, the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to ask him. Elkanah? Elkanah can't help but see the anguish on his wife's face. He's looking... And, and Hannah, and he's like, oh man, i got to do something. Any husband in the room knows what it's like to see a wife that's brokenhearted and to think, i got to do something to help her. I can't stand seeing her like that. And he gave her more than he had given to any other. He had done his best to meet her every need and to comfort her soul. Look at 1 Samuel again, chapter 1, verse 8. And this husband was broken as well, seeing his wife broken. He hated to see her in that state of mind and in that situation. And so he gave and gave the best he could. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 8. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? And not I better to thee than ten sons? Come on, Hannah. I've done everything I can possibly do. Am I not I better than ten sons to you? We all, at least the ladies, know the answer to that. No. 
No. No. I appreciate all you're doing, and I understand how much you care, but there's something inside that's missing in me. Her husband was unable to give her what she truly longed for and desired. So she went to the only one who could. God. Hannah, are you glad you went to God? Are you glad you kneeled at that altar and prayed? Oh, yes. Have you ever regretted going to God to meet your need, Hannah? Never. Can I tell you that you and I will never regret going and getting onto our knees and going to God either? But you know, we got to get there. Do you realize that basically it's as easy as going from here to here? Do, do you realize that? It's really as easy as going from here to here. It's as easy as going from here to here. Hannah, are you glad you went from here to here? Oh, yes. Are you glad you went from here to here? No doubt about it. Oh. I can ask you all day, and you are limited in what you can do. You aren't God, but God has created all things, and his power is limitless, and his supply as well. And honestly, it's as easy as going from here to here. And you know what? We don't do it enough. It's easier to depend on me, myself, and I. It's easier to depend on those around me. It just seems easier to say, well, I'll let so-and-so take care of it. You say, I'm prideful. I don't ask for nothing. Oh, you just depend on you. That's all. You don't need God. You need you. Wait a second, there's something wrong with that. See, you can't provide all your needs and you can't meet every need in the lives of those around you. You say, I got a good handle on it. My friend, you don't realize this, but your kids need more than you and your wife needs more than you. There's going to come a day you're going to need more than you. It's as easy as being here to here. And yet, even as believers, we fail to get on our knees. We fail to bow our head. We fail to pray like we ought to. Hey, listen, it is not enough to ask. you got to ask the right person. And so do I. Hannah asked the right person, and a miracle took place. What's your need this morning? What is your need this morning? Is it supply? Something 
lacking, something missing. I mean, as prices rise, as gas prices are fluxing all over the place, as there's so much volatility in our world and our economy and every aspect of our life today, what's your need? Don't just ask. Ask the right person. Go to God, the Creator. Go from here to here. What's your need this morning? Is it salvation? I mean, really, if you died today, are you confident, sure that heaven would be your home? Let me tell you something. I got to believe Nicodemus talked to a bunch of people, but it wasn't until he talked to Jesus he got the answers he needed. And ultimately, we know that at one point, somehow, some way, he recognized Jesus for who he was, and we see him removing the body off of a cross and lending a tomb. John 8, 36 says, If the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. But Romans 10, 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not enough to just ask. You've got to ask the right person, the Lord for salvation, Jesus Christ. It's praying time. In this unsettled world we live, it's praying time. In the chaotic homes that seem to be called Christian today, it's praying time. In lives that are questioning biblical truth and principles, it's praying time. In homes and lives where needs need met, it's praying time. I know and you know both that none of us got it all together. I know as you look up here, you can't help but see the epitome of manhood. And if I took my jacket off, I would shame every man in the room. However, Every one of us have needs, don't we? All joking aside, there's not one of us, whether it be our health or our well-being, whether it be our family, our friends, our relationships, we all have needs today. And can I tell you, it's praying time. I want to ask you today, because I, I'm not convinced it's happening, I'm going to ask you, will you give just five minutes a day to prayer every day, not sporadic, every day, just five minutes. Okay, wait, maybe you say, oh, I can, I, I can do that. How about 10? Now, listen, if you haven't given five minutes a day every day, don't go to 10. Just do five this week. Maybe you say, I've been doing 10. Will you give 15? Read your Bible in just 15 minutes in prayer. That's it. Because I'm telling you, it's praying time. 
Nothing good's going to happen until we ask, but ask the right person. we got to have God. Will you give just five minutes to him every day? Not when it's convenient, not when you just feel like, well, I couldn't do it yesterday, or, and, and today's, I'm going to squeeze it in. No, I'm saying, will you give five minutes a day? Will you pick a time and a place where you'll pray five minutes a day? A time and a place. You'll let nothing or no one interrupt that five minutes. You say, five minutes, that's a joke. It's such a joke, we're not doing it. So I pray, I prayed 25 minutes the other day. Did you pray the day before, though? I mean, consciously pray? Did you get into that secret place? Or did you just do it? I was on my way to work praying. I'm not asking you for an on-the-work prayer. I'm asking you... Separate yourself unto him for five minutes in a time, at a time and a place for every day this week till we gather back again Sunday. I'll even give you today off because you've been in church, right? Even though that really doesn't suffice, but we'll, we'll just start with Monday. Six days is all we're asking for. Five minutes a day, six. That's 30 minutes total. You say, well, I pray. I'm a Christian. Yeah, but do you pray every day? Do you get alone every day? It's praying time. We better understand that. Because if we want miracles in our homes, our lives, our families, our country, no one's going to be able to do that but him. It's praying time. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, you'd bless us today. We pray, Lord, that you would work in our lives and help us, Lord, to be found faithful to you. Again, Lord, there may be those in our midst who have yet received Jesus Christ and have not settled their soul salvation. And then there might be some that are going to make commitments this week to praying a certain amount of time, whether it's 5, 10, 15. Who knows? Maybe someone will commit even more. But one way or the other, Lord, we want you, Father, to be glorified. We know that we can't do this without you. It's not enough to just ask, but like Hannah, we have to come to you, our God. Please, Lord, help us today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, do you know for sure heaven's your home? Come on now. Are you positive? you convinced of it? Do you know that if you close your eyes in death, you'll open them in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ? You say, I don't have that settled. Well, you know what? Brother Cavanaugh is up front here, and there's some others that have made their way to the front that can help you. You'll come see him. He'll direct you to a lady if you're a lady, a guy if you're a guy. Let's settle our soul salvation. Let's get that nailed down today. Let's go talk to the one that can help us, and that's God. And you'll find that they'll give you answers from the Bible, God's Word, and then you can speak to him directly and get it settled. It's praying time. If you're a child of God, what are you going to do with him this week? Will you pray? Maybe you need to make a commitment, and that commitment would be solidified at an altar today. It's up to you. You can do that in your seat, no doubt about that. I understand all that. But sometimes it's good to just come to an altar to say, you know what? It was a big deal to me. And I know how big a deal it was because I made my way to that altar. And now when I think about it, I go, go back to that altar, and I remember the commitment I made and how precious that decision was. It was so precious to me that I was willing to get out of my seat and make my way to an altar Father, bless us now in this time of invitation. Be glorified in it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed.